I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ring RFC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> how do you think I'm doing? How are you doing? I am overwhelmed. I have no words for what I just saw. I have no words for that. A little bit of a disclaimer for those who are listening on the podcast feed. We're doing this live on Spotify Live straight after Real Madrid against Manchester City. So... It might be a little bit all over the place. Please excuse our de- please excuse our delirious states. I mean, I it, I cannot process what I've just seen. I cannot it process is, it. It is nine minutes to midnight, Wednesday night, Berlin time, um, after a uh, a two thirty a.m. finish last night because we recorded after VRL Liverpool. But we've been meaning to do one of these Spotify live things for a while, and it's been really tricky to find the right time. And uh, when Real Madrid got back into this game, which we will talk about we thought maybe people wanted to talk about this game or hear us talking about this game live. So we've let some people come and join us for it. This is quite cool. Oh, there's some very, there's some regulars in the chat. This is lovely. Absolutely. Regulars, some newcomers too. Good vibes. Good vibes. Well, would the people in the chat like to hear some live admin? Because <laughs> do it, do it. first of all, we hope everyone is staying safe and well. Everyone in the chat, everyone listening on the podcast feed, don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. There will be pieces going up this week. Uh, I've done a piece about Liverpool and Klopp, and I assume there will be something going up about this Real Madrid victory. Uh, Righty's House is back next week. Normal ringer schedule returns next week. But yeah, so today, as we've just said, we're recording this straight after 
the second Champions League semi-final second leg between Real Madrid and Manchester City. And because we need to leave space for a break for the podcast, let's get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Here we go. Where would you like to begin? Let's begin with the, sto- the scoreline first. That's the first thing I can be, actually be sure of. So Real Madrid, three, Manchester City, one, defeating them 6-5 on aggregate. That is all I'm sure of in terms of this game. Did it actually happen though? <sighs> I don't know. Because we've been watching Moon Knight, right? Yeah. And it's hard to tell, like... What state we're in. Yeah. That was the equivalent. That game was the equivalent of all of a sudden at the. Oh, I can't. I can't do. A, I can't do a spoiler just in case. No spoilers. I think we can say because the show is themed around because Moon Knight is themed around ancient Egypt, we can definitely say that Real Madrid descended into the underworld and brought something out because there is. I'm sorry, but there is no other. I don't know what kind of intervention brought them back into this game and got them to win this tie, but it was not earthly. It was not of this earth. Like. Watching this game, Kate, let's just get into it. Like, so from the very beginning of this match, I'll say this now, this wasn't sort of foreshadowing, but so much about City's passing rhythms felt off. I know that there was a great um, potential assist by De Bruyne, a great pass he put in, I think Foden early on, right? But I think, Ryan, it was weird. I don't know if you felt the same, but it felt like City's passing rhythms were not quite in sync from the beginning. And De Bruyne's not necessarily touch, but movement wasn't so sure. There's quite a few moments when... Bernardo Silva got the ball and looked up and it was like City players weren't coming to the ball with the exception of Foden. I actually think that that's probably in the early stages, I think that was actually because Real Madrid seemed to be pressing, not massively intensely, but mm. blocking City quite high. You think so? And there was yeah. a stat, I think Statsbomb posted something about City's pass maps in the first 20 minutes or so. It might have been the first 15 mm. and they were really struggling to play out. Mm. Not a lot of short passes out from the back, not a lot of passing patterns within that, across that back four and into midfield. Mm. quite reminiscent of, really of when they played Liverpool interesting when yeah. they were going a little bit more direct I don't think they were quite as direct as they were against Liverpool but I also think it, it wasn't because apart from maybe that first four minutes because I wanted to touch on this and maybe I'll bank it for a little bit later mm. but it did feel like City couldn't really find their rhythm but also Real Madrid for for Carlo Ancelotti Real Madrid side that we've seen this season who have been in the Champions League like we've mentioned They've kind of been patient. They've just hung in the tie. They've waited for those couple of moments at the end, at the end of games or mm. late stages of second legs to really, really ramp it up. They seem to fly out the box blocks really early, I thought. Yeah, I thought and so, was, yeah. And there was actually a moment, maybe after five minutes, where I was thinking, I'm a little bit worried for Real Madrid here because I'm a bit worried about them losing too much energy within that opening stages and not getting a huge amount of reward for it. That's interesting. Like you saw really, you know, we said before, if Modric is having fun, then Madrid are on and he was pushing so high in the first five, 10 minutes. I quite liked that team selection though. Yeah. No, I know. I really liked it. Don't get me wrong. I really liked it. I I really liked it, Ryan. When I saw it, I thought, you know, maybe Alaba's still injured, but also didn't have the best game and like Antlotti's bold. So Nacho starting in the centre mid, uh, centre defence, sorry. Um, And then you've got Valverde, maybe sort of slightly higher up. Cruz and Casemiro, Casemiro just doing his 
ultimate supervillain as usual. And Modric pushing on from that kind of base. And I really liked, I liked it a lot. It was disruptive. And to be honest with you, it was funny because in the, in the group, I was like, I think City will do well tonight. But the moment I sent that, I was like, I'm not sure they will because, you know, the thing about Madrid is if they break your rhythm, they have more tools in a broken game, right? This is a broken mm. game. And City's fortunes in this match relied upon them having the well-oiled machine. Because, and I said this on Twitter, that they don't really have the most compelling plan B, but Real Madrid can hurt you in multiple ways because they don't mind how it looks and they don't mind being out of sync. And that's why players like Benzema can be not necessarily dormant, but kind of out of the loop, but still retain the sharpness and they absolutely need it. Yeah. And actually speaking of Benzema, I thought he had a couple of chances early on. He had that one header. Yeah. As soon as the cross went in, was it from Carvajal? I think well, ben, ev- everything, was Carvajal. everything was from Carvajal in this match, frankly. Yeah. And as soon as that went in, I thought, oh, here we go. We're going to be talking about another Benzema header. Uncharacteristically for him, I thought he actually could have done better with that header. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. He was in loads of space. And for Benzema to use a very Englishism, mm. that was kind of meat and drink really. Um, and then he had that other one not too long after, I think, which was, just, he was offside for, but he put it wide. Mm. And I thought, hmm. Is that going to be one of those things that you look at and be like, ah, that was the Benzema moment that actually didn't happen. But we were talking in the Writers' House group as the game developed. I think I said that this needs a Real Madrid goal. This was at nil-nil to really start. uh, What's the word? Otherwise it's going to be down to, it's going to go down as hashtag not a classic. That's right. Yeah, Tactically intriguing, but very much in the vein of like, you know, and I could always go on about Spain, Sweden and the Euros. Yeah, it was like intriguing to watch, and you could hear you could I could hear the the post the post match punditry. It's like a chess match. It's like yeah, a chess exactly. Match. Because I thought that overall it was very much like it felt like City were almost maintaining. Yeah, without that's fair. going too much for the killer, the killer goal or the goal that would have killed. Well, in the end, the goal didn't kill the tie off. A couple of flare ups had the Modric Laporte thing, which was just absolutely ridiculous. And how on earth Casemiro? didn't get booked in that first half. How he really remained on the pitch, to be honest. I think that's also fair. He's eligible yeah. for maybe like about four yellows at that point. You know, by, by the end of the game, he could have got easily four I yellows. I have a theory about this though. And it's because uh, he's always immaculately clean shaven and he has this real kind of like- It's the baby face. It's the baby face. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why. I yeah. think he knows that if he shows any hint of facial hair, definitely if he goes full beard, his yellow card count will just- Skyrocket, absolutely, because he doesn't, he doesn't look guilty. He doesn't look guilty. I mean, throughout this game and his disruptive role, and we saw like, because he was missing before and we see the, the, the difference his absence makes, not just in terms of like the off the ball stuff, but just the street smarts really of, of just having won so many titles with this Madrid team. Um, and it was funny. So, you know, we get to, half, we get to like halftime at nil-nil and very much a sense of, Madrid pushing, but their finishing isn't on. City not linking as well as they can. And I know I've said this a thousand times before, Ryan, on the podcast, and it sounds like I'm just waiting for this moment, but, you know, the absence of a striker, the absence of a plan B striker, the absence of a player like Lewandowski, because if you consider the quality of City's players, right, elite players at every position, and they don't have a Lewandowski or a Benzema or a Haaland or an Mbappe, and that does make the difference, unfortunately. And I hate to say this too often, but it's simply that you need. You need someone to get you wins that you don't fully deserve or to consolidate those wins. You just need that. And I said, you know, I, we said many times, like, you know, Italy, you know, um, 
City could win the title without an elite nine. And I said, look, they don't need an elite nine yet. They don't need one yet. And I honestly believe that tonight is one of those games where you do need that player. Yeah, the City number nine situation reminds me a little bit of like, when Arsenal, I don't want to turn this into an Arsenal thing at all, but when everyone was crying out for Arsenal to sign a quote unquote defensive midfielder. Mm. And there was a little bit of a rumour about Sammy Kadira at one point and a couple mm. of people were like, yeah, but is he a DM? And I think that at the time, mm. the way that the football landscape was then, I think this is going back maybe even to like 2014, 15. It's like you don't need a, a player for 38 games a season to play in that position to do a job for you. But right. you will need them for like five or six. Thank you. And that's the thing with the City striker. But having said that, I do think that you've had one there with Gabriel Jesus. Like Gabriel Jesus has come, yep, he's come really into emerged. this side and actually yep. kind of started scoring goals and actually been playing really well. He was pressing really, really hard as well or like yep. doing a lot of work, a lot of running at least. He is a dynamic player. He can play anywhere across that f- front line and he showed himself to be a pretty good finisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree with you about the nine, but I think that the nines that are available to add what City need are like... They're, they're like three of them. There's like three, three of them. There's yeah. like three. Yeah. There's three of them and like two of them aren't for sale. Uh, Just a quick one in the chat. Someone asked about all the covered seats in Madrid. It's not actually a COVID thing. It's because underneath them, it's they're rebuilding the stadium. So literally underneath there is a massive drop of like 40 feet, which is essentially a giant trench because they're uh, digging down into the stadium because of the, the Bernabeu reconstruction at the moment. There was actually really quickly after, I think it might have been the last semi, uh, the, the last Champions League game they played there they'd already started pull, pull, like pulling the tarpaulin back and you could see them going back and the cars uh, within the guy, all the guys with the hard hats came in and were doing the night shift no sleep man um, anyway back on the game yeah uh, is, is all the audio alright okay in yeah it's chat. perfect Sally. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. the chat is okay everyone clear yep everyone clear um, this is a technical nightmare I'm loving oh, I'm, I'm loving it it's a vibe yeah I know you are because you don't <laughs> have to edit it afterwards I do just in case <laughs> before we fast forward to the the real explosion of drama. The Mahrez goal? I was going to say before that, actually, I think a key moment in the long term of the game was the Carl Walker thing. Interesting. And also Interesting. another thing was, I thought when the Mar- when, when Carl Walker came off, mm. uh, Crows had come off a few minutes before. Yeah. And I wrote in the Writers House group that actually I thought that would have been the change for Kamavinga. Mm. In the end, it didn't really matter at all. But when the Mahrez goal went in, I was, I was looking at that midfield and I was thinking, if you have Kamavinga who's just come on, I'm not entirely sure that Man City break through that midfield as easy as they do. Now, admittedly, the pass from Sinchenko into Gundogan and then Gundogan to, to Bernardo Silva. It's very hard to stop that. And they were two players who came on and made an immediate impact. But Carlo Ancelotti has, has been really pretty much spot on in his use of Kamavinga in the knockout stages. You've said this, yeah, yeah. At the time... I genuinely thought that was the one I was like, this is the one I thought he could have come on maybe 10 minutes earlier. But then the coming out party for Rodrigo. So here's the thing, like Rodrigo has been brilliant in previous games. We've seen this, right? But, um, mm. you know, here's the thing. I love Valverde in the centre mid. The energy that he gives is one of the three. So actually the change Cruz for Rodrigo was bold. It was really bold. It like, was that's, bold. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, 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 a, that's a manager that's going for it. Apologies to the background noise there. Um, that's uh, City moving out the last of their effects from the dressing room. No. Um, Stop it. Don't I'm tease. sorry. <laughs> that gets there might be that. City fans in the chat. Don't be mean. That's true. And I'm not trying to be that mean. It's really just what this was, was like such a sliding doors moment. So you have 
the Mara's goal, first of all, is spectacular. So we make those subs, the Mara's goal goes in as spectacular because he sends Courtois the wrong way from that angle, which is spectacular. We've been seeing a bit of that Champions League. It's Mbappe's trademark, but um, Mares has got a handy, a handy skill in that corner too. The thing about City was, and I really respect, they brought on Grealish to go at that tiring defence, right? To go at Carvajal. And, you know, it really, like, I don't know if it's a should have scored because first, the first, the first uh, narrow miss was just, you know, it was unlucky. Second one was superb save from Courtois. Mm. But in both cases, this was almost like, it was weird because at the time, I thought that City were going to win anyway. And I was going to compare this to Pulisic's miss in the final Chelsea Man City, where it's 1-0. If Pulisic scores that, he just becomes the poster child of, you know, he's already the poster child of American football, but takes his career to another level. I thought if Greenwich scored that, it would be like, I've arrived. Yeah. But I thought, I thought that's as harmful as that miss was going to be, that miss or that miss is harsh, failure to score. But as extra time went on, you know, as, you know, Rodrigo, the extra time, he's at stoppage time. When Rodrigo scores that first goal, even then I was like, I can't say that I knew, but I was like, City really failed to generate a compelling attack after Rodrigo scored. There wasn't really a point when they, after, after Rodrigo scored that first goal, there wasn't a point where I felt like, oh, City are putting passes together now. They're going to get a goal. I can feel them knocking on the door. The psychological impact of that late, late goal was something else. Yeah. I mean, let's, should we go through the goals? Because they were all, I thought, really great. I mean, the Mara's goal, like we said, we talked about the build up, but the finish is just extraordinary. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And I think that this is how chaotic shit just kicked off so much after that. But I think that Mara's goal will unfortunately kind of be a bit forgotten. And it was a game, it was a goal worthy of sending a side through to the final. Yeah. Then we get the two Real Madrid goals. The first one from Rodrigo, actually Camavinga's ball to the back post. Camavinga, very impressive, you know, when he got into his stride. Do you know what? When he came on, there was a point, I think it might have just been before he did the pre-assist, when he was, he was just kind of like, right, I'm here now. Then he reminded me of, you know, like you used to nickname uh, Cafu, the commuter, Pendolino, whatever, the commuter train. He was like that. Like at one point it was like, Watching one of those, one of those trains, the magnetic levitation trains that you see, they go like, like 300 miles. Yeah. He was like a maglev. He was just <laughs> gone. <laughs> he was gone, Kamavinga. And it wasn't just the speed. It was the link, the combination play, like to come into game, the intelligence to come into game like that and affect it, not only in the middle of the pitch, but in the final third to be decisive. I mean, to look at the gaps and not to play with adrenaline because it's very easy to come into those games. And Lewis Diaz did that, of course for Liverpool, to come to game with that intensity and adjust to it is just, uh, it's a- He's phenomenal, extreme, man. And he's going to be, you, you're starting to see him slowly working his way into that Real Madrid midfield. We've said it a number of times this season that I think it, how Ancelotti has used him has been really good, actually, because he's, yep. he's introduced him, especially in the Champions League, at such crucial points. And pretty much every single time there has been a direct effect on how he's yeah. changed the game. You've seen Tony Kroos be- taken off a lot more this season than we're, we're used to since he's been at Real Madrid. And you're yep. seeing that Real Madrid midfield dynamics starting to shift or at least show signs of the future. Whereas it, that's, that's a common thing we've talked about Real Madrid for quite a while is that mm. where is the next generation coming through? Yeah. So that got him back into it. And then what, barely a minute later, Rodrigo had a second. Uh, that, that's wild, that second goal. That's the technique on that. Because when the ball comes in, I think from Carvajal, it's a flick. He's already off the ground. 
Oh, it's Asensio, I think, assisted. Asensio, does Asensio flick it on? Yeah, he does flick it on. Sorry, my bad. He's off the ground, I think. Like, when the flick on happens, he has to adjust slightly. Mm. As a technique, that's extraordinary. As a technique, that's otherworldly. But by then, the thing is, he's so locked in that he's seeing everything. He's, it's like when you're watching cricket when like a batsman's like been in for like, they, they, they got to about 40 and, they've, and they're seeing the ball so clearly and like the sun's down, the sun's like overhead and they're just in their bag and they're just clouting everything. And he, at that point, Rodrigo was just, the focus was extraordinary. And there's something quite poignant about the fact that it was the young players that brought Madrid through. It felt like a kind of symbolic, like passing of the torch really, because, you know, you see them go off one by one Cruz goes off and Modric goes off and Benzema goes off. And it's almost like the young ones are like, no, we got this. Mm. Actually, we got this. I think that's, in the long term, I think that's going to be something that is so beneficial for Real Madrid though, because those young players who have started to come in have really started to take responsibility. Yeah, yeah. You know, there have been times over that last last decade at Real Madrid that despite the success, it's been very, very clear where the power lies in the dressing room. And it does seem a lot more democratic this year. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I don't think that it wasn't democratic democratic because of Zidane by any means, but I think Ancelotti came in at exactly the right time just to manage that transition. Yes. Very few managers have the authority to go into that dressing room and sub Kroos at that time. Mm. Or anyone, any of them, frankly, to take off Benzema, to take off Modric in a game like that, with that intensity, and to leave Alaba on the bench. You know, Nacho's not young. He's, he's in his, you know, his early 30s, but to make a call like that when Alaba has been signed to be pivotal in that kind of match. Yeah, it was just a fitness thing with Alaba, I think. I'm pretty, but, 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 still, sure. but, but still, but still, even, even then, even then, like we've seen players be put in the starting 11 before their time or when they're not ready and then they have to go off early. We've seen I mean, that. Pep threw Carl Walker you know? back in. Absolutely. You know? I mean, and I think and, actually he did really, really well, like we mentioned, until that weird injury that he got, which was, I couldn't really figure out what, I, it looks like what happened was that basically Vinicius just kind of caught him. And you know, when you don't have the weight on your leg, mm. it looks really, really painful. Can I say this? I've never seen wingers doubling up for Man City like I did with their own Vinicius. Like mm. Carl Walker, I've never seen Carl Walker get that much help against an opposing winger. That was in itself a compliment, I thought. I agree. I think that's, I did, I did think at some points before Real Madrid scored though, and actually before Carl Walker went off, that we were getting a little bit more of a glimpse of 2019 Vinicius. That's interesting. Okay, no, that's a good shout. A couple, couple of times his final ball, and actually Real Madrid is in general, actually, well, before we move on to the extra time stuff, but throughout that first 90 minutes, well, especially before the last 10, mm. after they come out, they created some really good chances in the very the very opening stages of the game, or not necessarily chances, but they were working the ball really well, and then it, openings, felt, like, yeah, it openings, felt like their maybe. final pass was just really not quite there. But to be honest, I also think that was the same for Man City for a lot of the game. I think that's because actually De Bruyne got the kind of Villarreal treatment where they're on you slightly quicker than you think they are. So actually there's a few times where he was getting the ball and it was like the gaps were closing or he was being dispossessed from the side. It was like, it was a really, you know, like you see in basketball sometimes people reach across and grab, you're making your, you're you're walking up court as a point guard and someone just comes in from the side and makes that steal. Mm. A couple of times that happened. The Vinicius thing was interesting. So I thought that part of the reason for his rush delivery was that he was being double teamed almost, right? So if you look at the game before the previous tie, 
he was against, it was basically a one-on-one -on -one situation with someone, a centre-back would come across eventually. But in this one, people were stepping up on him very early. And he had, he basically was running out of road a lot of the time, which is why his passing was being forced. Very yeah. often they were clamping down because they knew what he could do. And he was not building up ahead of steam. There's a trademark thing he does when like, you know, when his feet, his feet move so quick, when he's like up to full speed, like sort of like a butterfly wings, right? Mm -hmm. There's very few times in that first half that like, that his feet became a blur, which was interesting. Jedi are being murdered. On June 4th, Star Wars Returns, only on Disney+. Plus. I didn't do it, believe me. She was my student. Let me be the one to bring her in. Now she is a student of the dark side. An acolyte. Star Wars The Acolyte, two episode premiere June 4th, only on Disney+. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Should we move on to extra time? Oh, I mean, have we, have we done this? Hang on, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is the great thing about actually having other people apart from yourself to feed back to. Yeah, what does the group from. think? <laughs> does everyone in the chat think that we've done that 90 minutes justice yet? I mean, we've been going over 20 minutes. Does, do you think it's time to move on to extra time and then get onto the big, what does this mean? <laughs> no one's responding. Are they all still there? No. no. <laughs> <Someone> said, <laughs> talk <laughs> about justice, the chaos. Talk about the chaos. All right. So yeah. Those two goals. Wow, wow. I literally tweeted, oh my fucking God, because I could not think of it. Well, first of all, I said it out loud. I was watching it on my own and I genuinely couldn't believe me? what I was seeing. Yeah. While also at the same time kind of being like, well, of course this is happening. Like, of course this is happening. We've talked about this scenario numerous times. Yeah. Pep, Pep knew I think he, there was even a thing that Pep said or someone said that Pep would know yeah. about Real Madrid could be dreadful for however long and they can really, really hurt you in five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And they've done this to, not necessarily in this such a short space of time, but they've done it against PSG. They've done it against Chelsea. And they've now done it against Manchester City. At some point it stops becoming a fluke or not necessarily saying it was a fluke, but it stops becoming purely by chance, let's say. It's, it's weird because it's not by chance. It's, it's like when the antibiotics wear off. Like, the, like Madrid are always there, ready to take something. They're always ready to emerge. Mm. And you give them just a, a sniff of something. And it, the strange thing about this game is the balance of it. Like, City, I mean... Someone sent me a great tweet about this. It said, actually, Pep tactically didn't do anything wrong. No, he didn't, I Pep, don't think. Pep, what, they went 5-3 up, and what they do, he elevated, he brought Grealish on. Grealish was just tearing down that flank. Brilliant choice, because Carvajal had been impressive in attack, so he penned him back there. So he shut off the attacking option and really made, gave Carvajal plenty to think about and was devastating. So incisive, fresh legs coming on. Pep coached that, like Pep's going to go away and look at this. And you said this in the first half, actually, which would be, this will be one of these results where Pep will go away 
and be more upset about this than he would be about a loss. Mm. Goodness knows how Pepper's going to analyse this because he, he almost, how can he really blame himself for this? Like in the context of the coaching, the context of the coaching, Ryan, like up until the 90 minutes was done, Pep absolutely nailed this. Yeah, this, this, is isn't, this isn't, there wasn't any, or there weren't, sorry, any curveball tactical shifts or inclusions where you're just like, mm, and to, to be honest, the closest one to that was probably Carl Walker. It's funny because Shahir, um, Shahir Rahman said, taking off De Bruyne was tactically wrong. I thought that was really good. I thought all of those changes were just right. Well, the thing is that Grealish one, prime example, there's the one that's cleared off the line, right? Yeah. And then there's the other one. Which the amazing is, save from Cordova. Yeah, those margins are tiny and we could yeah. easily be talking like Grealish could have got the goal. Like you mentioned, City could have been out of sight at that point. What would it have been? Six, three at that point. Mm. And that would have been it. And it would have been Pep managed this perfectly. Yeah. I don't know whether I'm giving Pep too much credit here or cutting him too much slack, but I do think that sometimes in games like this, especially when you have such a huge narrative around Pep's chase for the Champions League or yeah. another Champions League, I should say, there's a large amount of opinion seemingly sways instantly towards what someone did wrong. Yeah. Football's just not like that. It's not always blame. It can just be credit or something that no matter how good you, you are, no matter what your tactics are, no matter how good your players are, mm. no matter how, how good your subs are, sometimes shit just happens. It does, it does. <laughs> What's that, uh, Renus Mikals, Renus Mikals in team building, he talks about this and he just goes, tactics, poofed. Like, it's just, what can you do at a certain point in the game? This thing, the game assumed its own momentum, right? The game assumed a chaotic character and the moment it did that, I felt like it was beyond City's control. The mm. moment it escaped control, it was just gone and there was no regaining it. There was no regaining it. I do think there was a moment, you're right there, where City did realise just how little they were, they were actually controlling the game at this point. And they were still actually playing quite well. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, absolutely. They, playing, yeah, yeah, yeah. they knew that it was kind of slipping away from them a little bit. And then it goes to extra time. Benzema gets the penalty. No doubts about that. What a penalty as well. You have two, he scored two penalties in this tie of such different character. The first, the first leg, psychological, we're still in this. And this one, to send, to send Edison the wrong way is just... Uh, Dylan Wright in the chat says, did you guys think he would penenka it? I... No, 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 definitely, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> However, if he had, that might have gone down as one of the most legendary things to do in the Champions League. So I, thought he was, I'm not, I thought he was going to go high. I thought he was going to like high, hard yeah, on the I left did, or something. Yeah. I thought it was going to high, hard to the left. But to take that, th- it was just, you know, so many performances from Real Madrid, spectacular. Actually in the chat, uh, Gabe mentioning, Gabe Deucenbury mentioning uh, Courtois. Oh, Courtois. We need to talk about Courtois actually. The fingertips that he got. Yeah, Gabe, you're he, right. The fingertips of the Foden, the Foden header. He made some unbelievable saves and he's been so important for Real Madrid this season. He really did have a wobble. I'm not sure if it was maybe the beginning of the previous season, season really, or the really season kind of previous, during yeah. the COVID stuff. Mm. And he looked a bit wobbly. He has been so good for them this year. And I think actually, if he hadn't had that wobble, people would be talking about him in the conversation as being one of the best in the world or in that. He, because he, even though he is really, really great, he never really comes up in that Neuer, Mendy He was there, but then what happened was Real, I think it was a bit of a victim of circumstance because Real bought him. They replaced Navas before Navas needed to be replaced, which was kind of, so I think that was kind of the problem as well. So he kind of lost the, um, 
the momentum he deserved from being signed. Like, why are they signing him when they've already got a great keeper there? Mm. And then he gets there and actually his early form wasn't the best. And now, as we know, goalkeepers and strikers, because there's so much attention on those positions, they suffer a bit of a lag in their reputation. So it's like Timo Werner, right? You have a bad, or, no, Kai Havertz actually, you have a bad start yeah. for various reasons. And people forget how good you've become because they're still judging you on like six months ago. Mm. And, and I think for goalkeepers, it's like double. Like. Well, I think that's actually what's going on with Mundy in the moment. Sorry, I said Mendy before, but like yeah. his form has really dropped off. Yes. And he's shown way more, um, what's the word? Not he's He's been way more error prone. Yeah, I think yeah. since, since AFCON. Yeah. Um, shouts to Adrian Glory or Adrian Glory in the chat who said, mm. Mundy, lol, 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 Premier League bias. <laughs> well, there you go. Hope that's balanced it up for you. <laughs> that was it for the there were no more goals there was no more there was a little bit of chaos but also the another eye raising thing was the ref uh, or them adding on just the three minutes at the end and then I think he didn't he blow up before three at four three no before three minutes I think which was maybe, well, like marginally before maybe like a few seconds yeah, but not much but not much before no not much before two minutes fifty two yeah two minutes fifty two or and or two yeah. minutes fifty three but to be honest there should there should have been a few more minutes anyway although. I'm not sure if it would have been enough. To be honest, but, I'd still be watching it now, gladly. I'd gladly watch another, like, half an hour of that. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? I would have watched another five Benjamin seasons. Smith. Benjamin Smith. Oh, this isn't Benjamin Smith. I'm biased as a City fan, but the refereeing seemed a bit questionable throughout. Do you know, it's funny, like, I wonder with these games, Benjamin, and obviously, like, I can't imagine how this uh, feels, but um, with these games, maybe that wariness to give the really, really big decision... You don't want to give that red card. So you're almost like, I'll give a bunch of yellows because he did give those yellows actually early on, didn't he? I think it was, it was to Modric and Laporte very early on. So he, it wasn't that he was afraid to give cards. It was more like he was afraid to give the ultimate card. Yeah, but I think if you look at the breakdown of the, the yellow cards in this game, mm. Casemiro didn't receive a yellow card. That's ridiculous. He was on the pitch for 75 minutes. That's ridiculous. I mean, I've got to say, I would feel aggrieved if I saw that. I'd feel very aggrieved if I saw that. I think there was something a little bit similar going on in the VRL Liverpool game where the ref didn't look so card ready. Mm. Seemed to kind of, uh, to, to understand that this is, a se- this is a semi-final. Yeah. How many times have we seen players miss out on finals because of cards that they probably shouldn't have got? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, someone just said, um, it looked strange watching um, Hazard popping up in the Real Madrid celebrations at the end. It's a bit like, you know, like watching the Avengers Endgame and Star-Lord is there and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot about him. Like we know you're one of the Guardians, but you didn't really necessarily do, you didn't do the most, you know? Um, was Bale was there? Because I, as, as soon as full time happened, I made a cup of tea and then we jumped onto this stuff. So I didn't see much of the aftermath, but I know yeah. that he wasn't there for the league celebration last week, <clears throat> last weekend, sorry, because of a, um, a quote unquote back spasm. Mm. But apparently he has actually been having, I was listening to uh, Sid Lowe said on the Spanish football podcast that he did have back issue mm. but it's what isn't it wild how Real Madrid have Bale in their squad Hazard Isco and they've relied on none of them to get to this point mm. they've really trusted like they've trusted the players who are there oh someone actually put in the chat someone said that Mo Salah just tweeted we have a score to settle oh yeah because he said after the game uh, that he wanted Real Madrid that's so interesting do you know actually I, I think that this final it's fantastic just as a matchup I think let's talk about Real Madrid in a sec but let's talk about this for City is there anything I saw something in the chat. Mm. Uh, I think it was from Seamus. He says, "Does this impact City's running for the remaining uh, for the remainder of the Premier League season? They're in a position that they can't afford to drop a point. I mean, if they're not careful. It, yes, it doesn't affect anything in terms of what they had to do anyway. But psychologically, Ryan, 
psychologically, I'm really intrigued how this affects them because as you said before, Pep could literally go in there and be like, you guys did nothing wrong. Yeah. We keep doing everything exactly how we've been doing it. We will probably win the league. Yes. I think winning the league is always a big thing for every player all the time. Pep needs to come out and almost be like, that is the best I've seen you play over two legs. Mm. Almost because he, he could even be like the first half, you know, the first leg, you were absolutely spectacular. Second leg, you were maybe 75% of your peak, but still you did enough to control this game, win this game. Mm. And this is football. He almost needs to come out and just be like, accentuate all the positives. Yeah. He can't allow doubt. He can't allow doubt in the methods, the execution. This is simply what happens. I feel like that needs to be the energy. I agree. The problem is for the Champions League, actually, that, you know, Kevin De Bruyne's relationship with the Champions League is pretty fraught at this point. Yeah. You know, the way he went off in the final before, and that was really upsetting for him. And he had a spectacular opening leg and this leg didn't quite get into it. But this felt like his, not redemptive arc, nothing to redeem, but this felt like the year that he was going to stamp his authority on this tournament, which he kind of did, right? I thought he was really good, actually. Apart from he opened, he started the game a little bit. Slightly rusty. Un- no, un- under Bruynery. Yeah. 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 But then he grew into the game and just, he was brilliant as usual. As was Bernardo Silva, I thought, mm. in midfield. He was, ext- he was extraordinary, yeah. Um, in terms of the final, strictly from a, a, a neutral point of view, I think mm. this will be a much calmer build-up to the final now. Yes. Without the hashtag narrative going on. Because we saw how hyped the City-Liverpool fixtures have been and I mean, it's not going to be any consolation to anyone, but I think the thought of playing Liverpool in a final for Man City and vice versa for Klopp, like playing Man City in a final, I think that would have been a lot of pressure to coincide with a run for the, for the FA Cup and the league. From a Liverpool point of view, I think emotionally, this is probably a really good thing. It's a lot less claustrophobic. That's the word. That's exactly the word that build up to the final would have been so intense and so claustrophobic. Yeah. I'm not really sure how any side could manage to get over the line on four fronts with that kind of pressure. I think from a Liverpool point of view, taking City out of it, not necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily, as we've seen through the knockout stages, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing for Liverpool from a football point of view. Well, it's become the new Classico, hasn't it? It's become the new Classico, this Liverpool Man City in that sense, in terms of the rivalry and the quality. Um, and those teams just know each other so well. Whereas going to Paris now to play against Madrid, it's like an old historical final. It's such an old school final. Um, mm. And it's, it's fun. It's something you can approach with a sense of freedom, actually. Yeah. And there's a joy there because here's the thing. You can really get at Madrid. And here's, you know, Madrid, um, the thing about them is in their kind of late rescue act, if there's any team well-primed to resist a late rescue act, it's Liverpool. Because we can see that Liverpool can raise intensity late on. It's literally their, like, their key strength. So Madrid, when Madrid tried to do their kind of late, the late rescue act, Liverpool had the tools for that. So Madrid might be thinking, we might have to go at this early. I'll be fascinated to see how Madrid start the game, actually, knowing that Liverpool have got that sting in the tail that Madrid have themselves. I'll be fascinated. Yeah, I think tactically it's going to be super intriguing yeah. as a matchup. A um, couple of things in the chat. Eric Jong, I hope I've pronounced that right, Eric. How do these recent Champions League crashouts affect Pep's endurance at City? Mm. They lost in the final last year. They've gone out in the semi-final this year. You just don't sack one of the greatest coaches of all time. If he if he leaves when he wants to, but I think he should hang around. Yeah, but also I think going out in the Champions League semi-final or it's just 
I don't know why, but I get the impression, and I'm not directing this at Eric by any means, I do get the impression that sometimes people underestimate how hard this trophy is to win. And going out in the semi-final of the Champions League is by no means a failure. Not winning the Champions League it's not a failure. I know that the the the, the ownership and and finances and stuff like that can skew skew it for some some sides, but like, it's just not a failure. It's it's so it's so in, incredibly difficult to win that you're not a fraud if you go out in the Champions League semi final. You know, Bayern Munich turned up slightly unready and they got got. Mm. Bayern Munich, who absolutely just strolled the Bundesliga title, got got against Villarreal. That is the level that we're mm. at. Oh, Eric, no, Eric made a good, Eric mentioned in terms of, of Pep's personal jokes. No, actually, Eric, also to that point, sorry, just to answer Pe- um, Eric's point. Yeah, about- no, no, actually, I, I also mean that as well. I, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think that from, they, what I mean by that is, sorry, Eric, mm. I didn't really clarify it. They've already endured. Mm. Going out in the Champions League semi-final is like, it takes endurance. Yeah, absolutely. It's, so I'm not entirely sure if much changes on that front, they will probably get Hall in next season by all accounts. That might be the difference in games like this and it might mean they get over the line next year. Mm. And then you go. It's like, like you say, margins, man. Margins. Absolutely. Um, from a Real Madrid point of view, Carlo, we've, we, we gave Carlo a lot of love earlier in the week and we'll talk a little bit more about Real Madrid ahead of the final. Is he but, the first to, to reach five Champions League finals? I think he is. Miguel Munoz won a load with Real Madrid as the is. European Cup. He is the first to reach five finals. There you go. Everyone's backed, backed you up in the chat. Ahead of Miguel Munoz. Okay. Okay. Back in the day of like Real, back in the, well, so it was the European Cup, but still. That's incredible. I think we should probably wrap it up there, huh? I think we're good. Yeah, it feels good. It feels like we've got, we've talked, we've talked the talk, we've talked the things. Before we go, there were a couple of other really, really big fixtures going on tonight. There was a North London derby in the Women's Super League at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal won 3-0, beating Spurs means the Women's Super League title race goes down to the final day. Man City beat Birmingham 6-0 to take the Champions League race to the final day. Uh, it also meant that Birmingham went down, unfortunately. And uh, because we all know, you all know how much we love the Frauen Bundesliga. Yeah. Wolfsburg won their game in hand. It means they could win the league on Sunday. Great end so of the season. You know. Is there anything Great else? Any other football you want to talk about? There's the Concacaf uh, Champions League semi uh, final second leg. Sorry, tomorrow. There's also Europa League second legs, Conference oh League goodness. second legs. Yeah, can't wait. So we will do those on Friday. We're going to record Stadio Friday normal. Uh, someone in the chat said, "Oh, it's Zach, Zach Packleb." Oh yes. <laughs> Sneak the Zlatan take in here, Musa, will be sworn to secrecy. Ha ha ha. Oh my God, the Zlatan take. I thought you'd never ask. The thing about the Zlatan take is, okay, so basically it's, oh my God, my battery's dying. Ha 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 I can't beep, I can't beep in a bleep. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do this to me. I reckon that's everything. Yeah, we're good. Thanks to everyone who's joined us in this Spotify live thing. Stay on after we've done the proper outro and we'll say a good goodbye to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't forget, Stadio back on Friday, like we mentioned. And then normal schedule resumes next week. Don't forget to check the Stadio Archers plays on Spotify, as ever. Newest one at the top. And tonight, Body Jam by Steve Point Dexter. Considering it's after midnight, we're in Berlin. Thought we'd hit the club. Very tempted to hit the club, actually. Some eyes yeah. down music. <laughs> and uh, yeah, anything you want to add, Musok Wonga? Nothing further, Your Honor. Nothing further. Listen, Lovely. I've got all my vitamins tonight. Can I just say one last thing, right? I just love to see Uncle Clarence 
Oh, the... I didn't even talk about this. Listen, listen, just before we go, listen, can I just say the levels, the levels that were set. You had, it was almost like, it was like Valhalla when you saw like Clarence Seedorf and Valdano there on the side of the pitch, just like descending from the firmament, the Real Madrid firmament. Wow. There you go. I, I, I totally saw Clarence. I thought, right, we have to spend 25 minutes talking about Clarence, <laughs> Clarence filming the game. Um, <laughs> all right. Oh no, Ravinda, I died until the side. Musa says nothing further to add. Oh, poor Ravinda. <laughs> all right. For the bounce. podcast listeners, much love. Uh, stay safe. We'll be back on Friday. Take care, everyone. Take care. <laughs>